Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're online as well, we, we welcome you today. If you're here for the first time and you're new, we welcome you here too. Also, this part of the service, we will be just talking from some scripture, from the Bible, and hopefully be able to apply that to our lives today. So, as we begin, uh, last week, Linda spoke uh, a great message about servanthood and using the Queen as an example. And uh, as we start our campaign from last week, Flourish, um, I think this is going to be the foundation or passage where I think that this passage, Jesus teaches us the, the foundation of any Christian or any church to actually flourish. And so I, I really do believe that this is the foundation for our series. If you want to flourish as a, a believer, I think if any church wants to flourish uh, in its community or actually its presence, then I think that Jesus gives us keys in this passage that I'm going to teach from today. A couple of weeks ago, I said that um, servanthood has been something that's been on my mind, and I've been looking through John 13. It's a familiar passage that many of you have heard over years of people's sermons and, and hopefully you've been reading in your Bible. So let's read from John 13 together from 117. I want us to take time just to read this passage together. If you haven't got a Bible, it, I'm surely, hopefully it'll be on the screen. John 13 says, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour, the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were, with, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Simon Peter, he said, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. The whole body has been cleaned and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to betray him and that was why he said not every one of you was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he said this to the disciples, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will flourish if you do them. Lord, we pray as we go into the story and the word of God today that you would Holy Spirit, just bring revelation to our lives. We ask you, Father, to give us insight and all, also, Lord, once, once we know these things at the end of this message, we ask you that we begin to put them into practice so, Lord, we can flourish in Jesus' name. So the whole of this event is recorded in Matthew 21. There's loads of messages on this, lots of Bible commentaries, and so a lot of information comes from there. But the, the recorded of this scene is in Matthew 21 and it tells us the stages of the week. And so Sunday it tells us that he entered Jerusalem. Monday he cleared the temple, if you remember the story. He turned over the tables and got everybody out of the temple and began to actually claim back God's house. 
Tuesday, it was a day of conflict as the religious leaders sought to trip him up so they could have the evidence to kill him and arrest him. There was no account of Wednesday, and some commentators say that it was probably a day off. Uh, and so Thursday now is in the upper room celebrating the Passover meal where this act of Jesus washing their feet is there. And Friday is the next day where Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified for the sins of the world. So that is a picture of the week in this setting in the upper room where Jesus is actually in the middle of a Passover and he gets up and he does his act of washing their feet. And, and so it's interesting that in the room, the disciples now have walked with Jesus just, for, just over three years and they've experienced the, the miracles that Jesus has done. They've experienced teaching like no other teacher has given through his authority and also his clarity. Also, they've encountered God's power working through their lives, through signs and wonders, demons being expelled and, and the gospel being preached. And being a part of that journey for three years it will, will be something that I think every one of us would like to have been on. And, uh, but you would think that these 12 in the room after that experience, listen, every day with Jesus, like Jesus himself, every day, 24 hours walking with Jesus. It's probably like five years of Sunday church, not even a touch of that. But every day with Jesus, watching, being taught by him, being a, seeing into his life, watching everything. What, what a, a, um, a privilege that must have been. And, and, and you would have thought after that intense three years that these 12 would have had it all together, wouldn't you? You know, it gives me hope. <laughs> that, that after 30 years of trying to follow Jesus, that there is still stuff that needs to be more like Jesus. Would you agree with that today in your own life too? And, and you know, there was still sanctification that was needed in these 12 guys. In fact, one of them wasn't really saved. In fact, Jesus says that, you know, you are clean, but one of you is not. It's really clear that Judas was not actually born again, not actually a follower of Jesus, because he actually pronounces that, and that one of you is clean. But let me tell you something, even though that statement was good, Jesus gave Judas plenty of opportunity to be clean. And we need to know that. And, and so for, for me, if I looked at these 12 guys in this room, I was thinking, do you know what? If they put on a conference, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I want to go to their conference. I want to buy their books. I, I want to hear their stories of, of the first-hand experience of what it was like to feed the 5,000, of what it was like to see, to see just people being raised from the dead, of, of lepers being cleansed. I, I want to go to that conference. I want a, a, a selfie with Peter uh, and James and John and, and, he, and, and even Thomas because I want to applaud him because he, he was a doubter, but he actually still stuck with the gospel and preaching the gospel. I want to be at this conference, but the, the truth is that these guys were no different to us in the room. They still had a long way to go. And, and the problem was that Jesus was about to leave that week. Obviously, he was appearing for 40 days, but after that, he was gone. And he was committing to these 11 the purpose of God after three years of their life. And, and so I, I want to encourage us that G, Jesus is teaching them something that would leave a, an impression on these 11 that would actually give them a foundation to flourish to actually help build the church, to fulfill their calling and their destiny. It was in this room that this act would either affect their lives or not. It was so important that they got what Jesus was trying to do. And so there have been many sermons that have said over, the, over this story of, well, what is Jesus trying to accomplish in this room? Many sermons are preached, so after it, everybody signs up on the road to be a volunteer, you know, and so everybody's a servant, hallelujah, in, in the kingdom. But listen, servanthood isn't only about doing stuff in church, that you get on a rotor and you serve the body. That's only a part of it. Servanthood is a lifestyle of following Jesus. Servanthood needs to be happening in the home, 
It needs to be happening in your workplace. It needs to be happening in your community. In other words, it's the very nature of Christ where you take everywhere to be a follower of Jesus. So what Jesus is trying to teach us here is not just an appeal for you to actually be involved on a Sunday, which we want you to be involved and begin to apply your gifts to this part of your service to Jesus. In the room, these guys were not aware of a couple of things. They they wasn't really aware about what Jesus actually was doing in that act. And they also wasn't aware of themselves. So Jesus does this for three particular reasons. And and I want to just say to you before we go into this, Jesus is not teaching that we have to be a slave to everybody That means running around doing the things that they don't want to do and washing people's feet every day. That's not what Jesus is teaching in this passage. Um, But but it's not saying though that we, we, we don't have to do some things that we don't like to do. It's not saying that at all. So it's not saying that I'm a doormat. But it's also not saying that there are some things that God will ask you to do and some things that's in life that will ask you to do that that you have to, as a follower of Jesus, do it. It may not be nice. It may be dirty like what Jesus did in in washing their feet. Also, I don't believe that it's saying that we need to to, to obey everybody and everybody's command if it means that we have to compromise our faith. So that we are told to respect authorities, but if authorities tell us that we cannot preach Jesus anymore, we have to politely decline and honour God rather than those in authority. So it's like that in any kind of authority. Listen, the authority in the home, the authority in church life, the thor- if people in those places of privilege, which is authority and government, and they begin to demand upon us to do things which disobey God, we have to politely decline. In the home, husbands, can't ask your wife to do things which is ungodly, which God asks and requires of them. They are not required to serve you under that realm. They can politely say, No. And you have to respect God's authority in the home rather than your authority. In the workplace, in in every aspect, as a follower of Jesus, our authority only comes because we're under authority. If you're not under authority, you've got no authority. Okay? You need to understand. And our authority is the Word of God. And so our lives, with the authority that gives us in our positions, in our roles, in church life as leaders... You know, we are not to absurd, uh, use our authority to abuse people, to manipulate people. No, we, we, we are there to present the Word of God to you and your choices, whether you respond or not. We cannot demand that you, that God has placed you into our lives to lead you. We cannot demand that you do that. All we can do is try and encourage you to do that. Sometimes there will be a rebuke involved in that because sometimes Jesus did that with the disciples. But we are to lead in a sense, under God's authority. And so what Jesus is actually trying to help us understand here is that there is something that is needed as a follower of Jesus to actually flourish in every part of our life. Also, it's, it's not saying that, that we can choose the people that we need to serve. You know, Scripture is really clear. Jesus said that you heard it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's washing feet. And the people that's in your life or are going to come in your life are the people that will probably upset you and wound you and hurt you. But Jesus is trying to teach us something in this, that if we're going to be servants of God, then we have to begin to wash people's feet that we don't like. He says, so that you may be like children 
Donna, as your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are even not the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only those, your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus is trying to teach us something as a follower of Jesus that is, is non-negotiable. If we want to be great, if we want to flourish, then Jesus sets out here. Also, I don't believe that Jesus is teaching that servanthood equals weakness or passiveness. Oh, because they're a servant, they're so weak and we can, we can walk all over them. No, Jesus never taught that, neither was he like that. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Well, yet you ought to see him turn those tables over because of unrighteousness and sin in the house. And so... What it is saying is that Jesus is trying to communicate something to us, which sometimes is taking me quite a while to capture what I really believe that comes out of this passage. Only until like five minutes ago was my mind still changing some things and, and, and seeing things that I have not seen in the last three weeks, looking at this passage and trying to grapple. What is it, Jesus? Are you trying to leave with the disciples? He says to them, you know, and this is bottom line. He did that so we could leave them to be an example of something. Example of something. In other words, what we say and how we live is an example to the world. And our example needs to be more like Jesus. And the only way that can be like that is if we actually become more of a servant. Servanthood is the way to actually be more like Jesus because this is what, how he demonstrated it. Bottom line, if you want to be like me, then I'm going to show you something today, he said, that's going to mark you forever. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The best description for this that Jesus wants to say to us is called servanthood, a servant in the English New Testament, usually represent the Greek, means doulos, means bond slave, and sometimes diakonos, which means deacon or minister. I think it's awesome that we get be called ministers, but do you know what it really means? Servant. No matter what your title is, I'm an apostle, I'm an evangelist, I'm a prophet, I'm whatever it is. Let me tell you what all that means. You're a servant. And if you lose the element that you're only a servant, then things will go to your head that Jesus has got to deal with in our lives. And so I want to say to you, the bottom line is whatever it is that's on your life as a gift or a title, at the end of the day, if you don't understand that you're a servant with what God's given to you, you're going to fall into trouble. See, Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. That's why he could take a role of a servant. See, if you don't know where, who you are in Christ, then you'll always be running around to try and prove yourself. And Jesus is saying, guys, there's something wrong in the room. And so I want to say to you today that Jesus calls us to be servants. And I want to say to you in this room and online, let me tell you, you are servants because you will serve something. In the Bible, there's a few things that you can begin to understand what you can serve. One of them is money. So, so some of you are serving money. Money's not serving you, but you're actually serving money. It's become your master. So you're serving, and as, and as long as you're doing that, you can never serve God 100%. So Jesus says, the devil in Matthew 4, again the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Let me tell you something. The devil will always be around trying to get you to serve something else rather than God. 
And so we know that we're going to serve something. And Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the world and, and materialism is after your heart because you'll end up serving it and therefore be not useful in the kingdom. And then Jesus says in, in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will devote it to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now you can have money and serve God. But you can't serve both. And that's what Jesus is saying. So in this room today and online, some of you have been tempted by the enemy to totally give your soul to material pursuit. And it's not God's will for your life. Yes, it's God's will for you to prosper. But that doesn't mean to say it's all about money. Because of the trade-off in your service to God. My, my, the most important thing is, Lord, am I, are you doing God's will? Are you serving Him even though you're earning loads of money? Is He priority in your life? Or is this now blinded you and Satan has wooed you and offered you all that so you can serve and worship those things rather than God? The other thing that we can worship is ourselves. It's called self-service. Jesus said, I've set you an example now that I have served you now. Listen, he said, now I've served you, I want you to serve one another. He never said, now I've done this for you, you do it for me. Have you noticed that? And the problem sometimes in church life is that we have a mindset that if I'm serving, then I need to be served. Your motive isn't about serving God, it's about serving yourself. The end result is about you getting served, about you getting what you think you deserve. And, and if you serve like that, you're always going to get disappointed because your output, your, your input will not actually measure the output because your motive is all about you. I've done this, I've done these hours, I've done these things, I'm on these rotors, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting the thing back. Your service direction is wrong. You're not here to serve people in a sense, but your service is to God. And if you don't make sure that when you serve, that your motive, motive is not so you will be served, you're going to end up messed up in your life. See, Absalom served the people of Israel but he never did it for God. He did it for himself. He stood at a gate and when they come by, he would greet them and he would be the greatest usher in the kingdom and he would say, how are you doing? And you know, if you'd only tell me your problems, I, if I was king, I'd give you the answers that you need. So his service was not to honour God or even to respect those in authority, which is his dad, the king. His service was to benefit his own agenda so he could take the throne off his dad. So it's called selfish ambition. And I want to say in church life, we can so get caught up in about, it's all about me. And it's not. It's all about Jesus. Saul served others because he wanted their approval. And you know, we can go down this road that, oh, I'm, I'm, I can do this and look what I can do. Also, someone can say, wow, awesome, how great are you? Because we, we, we actually don't know who we are and we need affirmation from what we do. And the thing is, that won't last your affirmation comes from who you are, not from what you do. And that's why many of us, when we say, you know, when we say, and we introduce somebody to, so you know what they say? What car they drive, what house they live in, and what they do. We never say, who are you? We say, what do you do? And then we determine that person by what they do, whether we want to hang around with them or not. Because this world defines people by what they've got and what they do, not by who they are. In the kingdom, that you have to make sure that, that you know who you are, that if I serve you, I don't get nothing back. That doesn't matter because my treasure is in heaven. The only one that I need to please is God. And you know, in ministry, it's so, it's so hard not to please people. And for years as a pastor, my life was tormented and actually in slavery because my life was, was, was serving people's pleasure. 
hoping they would like me, hoping that I would do things right, hoping that I would preach the right message they want to hear until I preached the message they didn't want to hear. Then I got a letter that I didn't, they didn't like it. And then I wouldn't preach it again. You can't live in slavery because you cannot live to get people's approval. The only approval I need is from God. For when Jesus was getting baptised before he started his ministry, he said, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased. And so when you get that approval, you can serve with freedom. And it doesn't really matter if you like it or not, as long as I'm not rude or arrogant and I do things in the right way to honour God, whether you accept it and are approved by it or not, is not my problem. And so there has to be the right motive in who we serve. Exodus 20 says, you should not have no other gods before me. Romans, and that includes people. Do you realise that you can serve people more than God and you can put people in the place of Jesus? Romans 1, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. In other words, you can live your life serving others before God and they become your God and Jesus said you can now have no other gods before me anyone who loves his father mother is not worthy of me anyone who loves their son daughter more than me is not worthy of me whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me this is not saying you've got to neglect your parents or your spouse or your children you are responsible to take care of them but listen Jesus you cannot do what I want you to do if you put their love above my love. I've got to be first. Love the Lord with all of your heart. Let me tell you something. When you love God first, you will love your family the best it can ever be. I've seen in families, things happen because they haven't loved God first. But when you love God first, it's impossible not to actually love those around you second and be the best dad, the best husband, the best leader, the best work colleague, the best neighbour. If you put him first, everything else will follow and your family will not be neglected. Now I'm sure there's other things that we could say that we end up serving, but in the room that, that, that Jesus needs to make something really clear to these guys and so when he did this act and he, and he, and he took a towel, he, he said he took off his outer garment. What does it mean? He took off something of who he was as a person. He said, now that I am your Lord and your teacher. What, in other words, Lord and teacher had to somehow come off before he could put on a towel. And the problem was, was that if you stick to your titles, you'll never be able to take them off to get low enough to do what God wants you to do. See, what Jesus did in that moment was, what I'm going to do right now for you, you don't understand Peter right now, but later you'll understand because you've got no idea. Because in that room, let me tell you something, was not only the devil, because Satan filled Judas's heart, but also in that room was some great potential, but also in that room, listen, was proud hearts and dirty feet. And Jesus said, I, can't, I cannot leave this room without I show you something to help you understand to get rid of this in your life because if you keep hold of that, you'll never be effective for me. So Jesus gets down on his knees and, and, and then he's sort of saying, what are you trying to communicate? So Peter and the rest of them didn't have a clue why Jesus was doing this. And he begins to wash their feet. And he said, this is an example, guys. Do you know what I'm doing right now? Because what they didn't understand was that the Messiah that was right in front of them was the suffering servant. And the only way that, that God could fulfill his will in mankind was that he had to become a servant to die on a cross for the sins and the dirty feet in the room. So he gets down because do you understand what I'm doing? Isaiah says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and though the Lord makes his life as an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant 
will justify many and who will bear their iniquities. What they couldn't understand was that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And in that moment, he said, I'm going to wash your feet because I'm about to tomorrow to do this for the whole world. I am your Lord. I am your teacher. But I can't go to the cross for those titles. I have to become a servant so I can die. To allow God's will to manifest to our lives today. If Jesus would have allowed pride to hit his mind and said, I am not going to die for anyone. Not my will, but thy will be done. In that garden, we would have all been going to a lost eternity and no price for sin would have ever been paid. But Jesus had to become a servant and get on his knees and wash the dirt off these disciples' feet to help them understand, this is why I have come, guys. And this is the example I'm going to leave you with because you're going to have to wash some dirty feet when I've left. And if you don't get it, that I, your Lord and teacher, are doing this for you, if you don't get it, then we're never going to impact the world. See, Philippines tells that Ubi in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped in some translations. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. humbled himself. You cannot be a servant of God unless you humble yourself. And in that room, the disciples had proud hearts. Jesus said, I'm doing this because this is what I've got to do for the world. And I've got to help you guys because your heads are too big in this room. How do I know that? It's simple. Because if you read the story, let me just say this. Washing feet was a nobody's job. Listen to this. Well, I don't know if many of you know this. But it was degrading that even the master of a Jewish slave did not require them to wash feet. So the disciples, we've heard some say, oh, you know, there was a need that needs to be there and they just ignored it. No, they didn't even think that they needed to wash feet because it wasn't required of them because they were Jews. And Jesus never actually said, let me teach you. He got up and did it. He didn't say, let me just teach you a little message about it. He got up and took off his garment because he wanted to communicate something massive about his life as the Messiah, but also about what they were going to have to do in the future. But the problem was he had to deal with some issues in, in, their, in their attitude to servanthood. And we've got to watch ourselves, guys. Mark 10 says, and then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do something for us, whatever we ask. Now, this is prayer. You know, we've heard, we've heard the preachers ask whatever you will and he'll give it to you. Not always true. Not all the prayers that you ask Jesus will he grant you because this is one of them. This is one of the requests. Lord, can you let us sit on your right and on the left when you go to your glory? When he heard this, so the other guys were so indignant, James and John, and said, how can you be so insensitive that all you're bothered about is position? All you're bothered about is titles. Luke 22, a, dis a dispute also arose them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Do you know where that dispute arose? In that very room, that same night. A dispute arose of who was going to be the greatest. So Jesus knew what was in the heart and he went, how am I going to deal with this? The only way is to do what I've been called to do. Get on my knees and give them an example that it's not their title that's going to advance the kingdom, but their servanthood. And I've got to help them to understand. I've got to help them exchange their title for a towel. And if I don't do that, my mission will be not accomplished. So he comes and it says he washes the disciples' feet. I love it. Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus is about to die for the sins of the world tomorrow and they're fighting about who's going to be on the right, who's going to have the position, who's going to have the best title, who's going to be in the greatness. See, God hasn't got a problem with greatness. 
God hasn't had a problem being first. He hasn't. You know, I don't know about you, but when we, when we do any sport or snooker or anything like that, I like to win. Do you? Does anybody in here like to lose? Because we've got to be real, haven't we? Of course we want to be the best. Of course I want to be the first. And Jesus said, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's how. It's how you actually accomplish those things that's really important. It's how you get to be first. And the way you're thinking about it, guys, it's not about position. It's not about your title. It's not about your gift. Because those things actually won't get you to be that place. Actually, it will become a hindrance to you. It'll become a stumbling block to you. So I'm going to help you how you can be first and how you can be great. But it's not the way that you're thinking right now because you're thinking about position and I'm thinking about serving. It's far beyond what you're thinking. So, so the Bible says that as he begins to wash the feet, he then comes to Peter. I love it. I love Peter. I like Peter because he makes a lot of mistakes. Just like we do. So, so he says, hey Lord, you, you're, you're not thinking about coming to wash my feet, are you? And he went, absolutely, Peter. Absolutely. N- listen, never you're never going to wash my feet. Do you know that's the second time that Peter said that to Jesus? Never. How arrogant can you ever get that you actually end up trying to lead Jesus and tell him what he shouldn't be doing? See, what was in Peter's heart was pride. You, 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 you shouldn't be really doing this, Lord. No, no, Peter, you're not, you're not getting it. Peter, if I don't wash you, You will have no part with me. If you, if, you, if you let this towel and this water bypass your feet today, there'll be somebody else preaching the day of Pentecost. It won't be you. There'll be somebody else writing one and two Peter because it won't be you. There'll be somebody else that will be a pillar of the church because it won't be you. Because I'm not willing to allow your gifting or your position to overtake your character. And if I don't wash you, if I don't get that dirt off your feet and that arrogance off your face and that pride out of your heart, you can have no part with me. Okay, Lord. You can do all, Peter. Now you're being stupid. You've gone from one extreme to another. Just like when you pronounced that I was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I said to you, you know what? Flesh and blood has not revealed to you, Peter, but it was my Father in heaven. And you got so excited that God spoke to you. In fact, so much so you got a little proud. Why? Because in the next verse, you try to stop me going to Jerusalem. So I said to you, Peter, now you're not thinking the ways of God, but of man, get behind me, Satan. Pride come before a fall. So Peter, right Lord, you can wash all of me. Church, do you understand that we live in a celebrity culture, a, a culture of consumerism, a culture of self, selfie, selfishness, a culture that we want to be the top, we want to be the best. If they only can see me, if they can see what I've achieved, listen, we cannot be like that as followers of Jesus. I don't care how good the lights are or the smoke is or the room is. That's not at all to make us proud or arrogant. It's to help as a tool to help touch people with Jesus. And no matter how much God uses us and how much God elevates us, we can never, ever take any credit because the Apostle Paul says this. He said, you know what? What is, what is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants. He said that I water, someone else sows the seed, but only God can make it grow. And if ever a church is ever going to be an influence on a nation, has to have the mark of servanthood, has to have the mark of humility. You must always remember that Jesus is the one that we serve and he needs to get all the glory, every single bit of it. So Jesus said, guys, I want you to be great. 
I want you to be first, but you're not going to be able to do it the way you're actually operating in the room tonight. How you're going to do it is you're going to have to get on your knees, but we're going to take up a towel and apply some water. Why? Because let me tell you, when I leave, Peter, you don't understand right now, but later on, you're really going to understand. When I wash your feet, you're going to be so glad because you are going to make the biggest mistake of your life in the next few days. You're going to deny me so much that you're going to have a guilt trip for probably the rest of your life unless I come back to the shore, give you breakfast and wash your feet again. If you don't get used to it, Peter, you're in big trouble. That you're not perfect and you need my blood to wash you every day of your life. But Peter, you realise this, you don't need a bath because you're already clean. And this is for some of us in the room. Every time you sin and make a mistake, you're not going to lose your salvation. Like, oh, I'm going to hell now, I better repent. No, he said, you're already clean, but there is things that you have to do as a follower of Jesus. You do have to confess your new sins. You do have to make sure that your feet's clean when you come in to serve God or living for God from when you leave this place. You cannot walk around with dirty feet expecting God to use you because it will stop you in your progress in serving God. And so we have to make sure that we clean. So Jesus, let me tell you how you're going to do it. Let me tell you what I'm going to leave you with, with you. He said, he called the 12 again. He said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And the high officials exercise authority over them. With, over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Message Bible in Luke 24 says, within minutes they were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest. But Jesus intervened. Kings like to throw their weight around and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior that the leader act the part of the servant. And he gets up, takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around his waist and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Dr. Tony Evans is an amazing preacher. And I was listening to one of his messages on servanthood and this quote it's one of the best quotes that really gripped my heart and I want, I want you to hear it. He says, the road to greatness is servanthood. He said, how do we know that we have a servant heart? And this is what he said, it blew my mind. He said, the way that you react when you are treated like one. You're not going to wash my feet. Who do you think you are? I'm an apostle. I don't do towels. Oh, is that right, Peter? If you're going to be great, then you've got to be servant of all. And you have to let me wash you. Okay, Lord. Go ahead. I'll do whatever you want. And I know it actually helped Peter, it worked. You know why? Because in 1 Peter 4, he actually preached the day on Pentecost. He actually wrote 1 and 2 Peter. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have been received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. The last point of what Jesus is trying to communicate is, you know, guys, I've communicated that I've come to do this for the sins of the world. That's why I came. And the only way I do that is to become a servant, my father's servant. And that, that means I've got to die on a cross for your sins. Secondly, guys, I've got to wash your feet. I know you're saved, but there are some times in your life that you've walked into this room with dirty feet and you never, you're not even aware of your own heart. And I need to wash that. And thirdly, now I've done that for you, you have to now go and wash other people's feet. Now this is the hard thing. And you know what that means sometimes today? 
It means that you're going to have to forgive some people. When people do things that they shouldn't and say things about you they shouldn't and react the way they do about you and they shouldn't, you cannot allow their dirt to stick to you. You have to wash their feet and you have to forgive them. Now, I have done that for you. You have to do that for others. Stand with me. I want to take an opportunity to close with an appropriate prayer. And listen, nobody's exempt in this room. I don't care who we are, all of us. Do you know, I make it a habit to get washed by the blood of Jesus as much as possible. It's called repentance. I'm saved. My name's written in the book of life. But in this journey, in my walk, sometimes I get a bit of dirt on my feet. <laughs> Say the things I shouldn't, react the way I shouldn't react. And the thing is, if you leave it, it becomes mud. And then it stops your walk. And so what you have to do is that you have to do what John tells us to do. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, if you are going to be great in the kingdom, there's two things you have to carry to leave today. Number one is a towel and the other is water. Servanthood and forgiveness. If you lose those two things, it's over. And so some of you have walked in church today and some of you are sitting at home and somehow the Holy Spirit has showed you that you've got dirty feet. This is no condemnation today because I love it that Jesus wanted to clean the feet to help them progress in their journey with God. And you know what? If you've come today and you know that there is fresh sins in your life, fresh disobediences that the Holy Spirit's told you is not helpful for your life, but you've come in today and you know that, you know what? I need to be washed. I need to repent. In other words, not just to get clean, but not walk in that way anymore when I leave today. You know, some of you are saying, I've said things this week that I should never have said. It's called sin. It's called gossip. You can't keep living like that. It will ruin you and other people around your life. So maybe today, I don't know what it is. Maybe you're serving other gods. Maybe you're serving something you shouldn't. You need to actually to be cleansed so you can actually realign your life to your master. And secondly, some of you are here and you need to wash somebody else's feet. Yeah, you have to offer forgiveness this morning. Jesus said, well, when you pray at the altar, and you are holding on to an offence or somebody else's issue, go put it right with your brother or sister, then come back and offer your gift. Can I ask, just say this to you as we close? If you are holding an offence today, unforgiveness, all your serving, all your offerings is not acceptable to God. Because if you forgive others when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So Father, as we come to a close and we are astounded of the teaching of Jesus, that the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, the Lord and the teacher would actually take off his outer garment, pick up a towel and wash his disciples' feet. Thank you, Lord, that still applies today. Thank you, Lord, for the times that you've spoken to my heart and said, Jason, need to wash your mouth out today. Need to wash some things in your life because it will hinder your walk with me and also the things that I've given you to do. There has been times that I've said, no, Lord, you're not going to do that. It's okay. 
Jason, if I can't wash you, you can have no part with me. And just like Peter, okay, Lord, just wash all of me. And then there are times where I, someone's offended me. Oh God, in 30 years of being a pastor, you've got to get offended. When I, when I became a minister, I was so naive. I didn't think, I thought everybody would be nice. Didn't think that Christians could be harmful. Didn't think that. I think it's only the last 12 months that I realised that we're all sinners, aren't we? And, and you know what? There's loads of opportunities where my heart has taken offence. And if I'd have left it there, I wouldn't be here today. And I had to make the decision to wash someone else's feet and say, Lord, I forgive them. You see, servanthood has no respect of person because Judas, who was about to betray Jesus, left that room with clean feet. Now, I know what over time, but this is too important. If you know that you need Jesus to cleanse you afresh today, then you ask for forgiveness right now. You actually say, Lord, I'm sorry for offending you, number one. And I ask you to cleanse me of my sin. Thank you for your blood that cleanses us. Thank you, Lord, that you wouldn't die for my sin. And today is no different. I can leave this place clean and set free. And if you're in this room and you're carrying offence, unforgiveness, a grudge, revenge, and I know, I know that they were wrong. Would you release them right now? And allow yourself to be free. Father, I pray right for everyone in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts afresh right now. Come, Holy Spirit. For those online that need a fresh touch from God, need fresh cleansing from the Holy Spirit, come wash us, Lord. Come wash us. And Lord, for those in this room that need to release forgiveness today, I ask you for your grace. Help them to release these people. Heal their hearts. Freshen them. Allow them to flourish. In Jesus' name.